Welcome to another episode of Yesterday's Capers. I'm Abdullah Molim and every week I'll be bringing you the very best shows from the past that the world has to offer. It's a real Warner brother and sister celebration today as we talk Tiny Toon Adventures, Tasmania and finally we are talking about Animaniacs. Three truly outstanding cartoons that deserve their flowers and roses. And as always on yesterday's capers, we will be there to give it to them. So, let's get started. And uh, joining me as ever, it's producer Paul. Hey man, how's it going? I am very good. I'm very excited about this week. This week, um, I'm glad it's over, man. I mean, that was that was tough. That was really tough. <laughs> I'm joking, of course. That was what an incredible week. What a week. This was incredible. I mean, we'll find out during the course of the episode. But what I will say is one of these cartoons is absolutely world class. And it deserves everything that it's got and that it will always get. One cartoon aged tremendously well. And the other cartoon... It didn't age that well, but I still enjoyed it very, very, very much. And obviously, we will find out over the course of uh, the episode. Right, let's 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 jump right into this Warner Brother feast. And uh, we're going to start with uh, the first show that came out out of the three, which was uh, Tiny Toon Adventures. By the way, all the shows came out in September, so... Uh, we're going to be going through these news stories all over again, baby. All over again. So this show came out in September 1990. So uh, some of the things happening in the world. So uh, the premier of North Korea, Yon Hyong Muk, meets with president of South Korea, Ro Tae-woo. I think by now I should be able to say these names, but somehow I'm still messing up. Also, the, uh, the two German states and the four powers sign the treaty on the final settlement with respect to Germany and Moscow, paving the way for German reunification. The first Pizza Hut opens in the People's Republic of China nearly three years after the first KFC opened there in 1987. Postcards from the Edge was in the cinemas and Show Me Heaven by Maria McKee was in the charts. Anyway, we've put it off for too long now, so uh, let's talk about Tiny Toon Adventures. So this was an American animated comedy TV series as the first collaborative effort of Warner Brothers Animation and Steven Spielberg's Amblin Entertainment. If you know Amblin Entertainment's logo, it's E.T. Over oh, the moon yeah, with yeah, the bike. Yeah. That's the logo Very for uh, Amblin. And uh, yeah, so it was first conceived in the late 80s by uh, Tom Ruger. And the show follows the adventures of a group of young cartoon characters who attend Acme University to become the next generation of characters from the Looney Tunes series. So it was set in the fictional town of Acme Acres, where most of the Tiny Toons and Looney Tunes characters live. And they attend the school Acme University, which is a school whose faculty primarily consists of the mainstays of the classic Warner Brothers. Cartoons such as Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Porky Pig, Sylvester the Cat, Wiley Coyote, and Elmer Fudd are also in the series. And the university is founded to teach cartoon characters how to become funny. The school isn't featured in every episode, 
and not all of its storylines revolve around the school. And like the Looney Tunes, the series makes use of cartoon violence. Example, Anvil falls on someone, liberal use of explosives and slapstick. And the series parodies and references the current events of the early 1990s and Hollywood culture. Occasionally, episodes delve into the veiled ethical and morality stories of ecology, self-esteem and crime. And according to writer Paul Dinney, Tiny Toons originated as an idea by Terry Semmel, the then president of Warner Brothers, who wanted to inject new life into the Warner Brothers animation department and at the same time create a series with junior versions of Looney Tune characters. Semmel proposed that the new series would be a show based on Looney Tunes, where the characters were either young versions of the original Looney Tunes and Mary Melody's characters, or new characters such as the offspring of the original characters. It won many Daytime Emmy Awards, including Outstanding Animated Program and Outstanding Original Song in 1991 and 1993, Outstanding Writing in an Animated Program 1992, and Outstanding Music Direction and Composition, and it won Best New Cartoon Series in 1990, the Young Artist Awards, and it won a Environmental Media Award for Best Children's Television Program, and it was for the episode Whale's Tales. And uh, some of the uh, characters, so there was Buster Bunny, Babs Bunny, Plucky Duck, Hampton J. Pig, Elmira Duff, Montana Max, who was one of my faves, Fifi the Fume, Go Go Dodo, again, one of my favorites. Shirley the Loon, Furball, Dizzy Devil, Sweetie Pie, Calamity Coyote, and Little Beeper. So, Tiny Toon Adventures. Uh, this is one of the ones I do remember as a kid. I I was a massive fan of the original Warner Brothers cartoons, like, you know, Roadrunner, like Sylvester the Cat and things like that. Um, Foghorn, Leghorn, like all of those cartoons I thought were like real fun. And even this with the, uh, w- w- when they're being young and things, like that. I'm not sure I kind of realized that, you know, why they were young or anything when I was younger. Maybe I thought they were babies or they were the kids of or something. I, well, I wasn't really sure. To be honest, I'm still not that sure. Um, but um, I, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this one this time around as much as I did probably the first time around, to be honest. Um, I thought that. Like you know, you, you I was making me laugh because you're, t- you're talking about all the cartoon violence and um, and explode liberal use of explosives. I think you said, and and I I just find that stuff like hilarious. The slapstick, like you know, the, the anvil falls on the, someone's head thing is just like for me that sort of thing is timeless. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I remember this very very well. Like growing up, I remember like. I hadn't seen the theme song in like God knows how long. And then I see it again and I'm like, oh my God, I'm like six years old again. Like I just used to remember, I think after school, this used to be one of the first shows that used to come on. What channel and was I would, it aired on? I, I was um, CITV. To... It was oh, okay. definitely a CITV thing. And I think most of the, like, the Merry Melodies and Warner Brother cartoons was always ITV. Like I remember Saturday afternoon, there would always be a Bugs Bunny episode or a Daffy Duck or a all of those um, characters. And like I remember as a kid, I liked it and watching it now. Okay, I'm going to give it away. This was one of the shows that, you know, when I said that one aged really well, it's this show. I'm watching it now in 2020. It was 
brilliant i love the slapstick i just love how stupid it is it shouldn't be funny when you just see someone with an with with an anvil dropping on their head and it just made me laugh every single time and then and then someone would send yosemite sam a package and he'd be like "Ooh, what's in the package opens it boom <laughs> why why it's just so it's just everything about it was just so you could see it coming but you could enjoy seeing it coming. Yeah, I think one of the great things about the, these cartoons, and it's all three today, and credit to Warner Brothers because they're smashing out of the park. And it's it's this the the self awareness of it, but it's the you know it's 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 not just self aware. It's making a joke that is self aware, and it's playing on all of that. It's kind of like very multifaceted in in its um you know in its in its comedy, and I've, I and then and then on top of that. You know, you've got anvils falling on their heads and packages blowing up in their faces and stuff like that. And and I, yeah, I, I I don't know really. I can't really break it down more as to say that this is like one hell of a cartoon, and it. I think it would be t- timeless. I really think it'd be timeless. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And yeah, it was just, and even like the jokes, like they were so sharp. The writing was on point. I don't know if Warner Brothers really gave it a go in terms of like making more cartoons. Like as as I'm I'm talking about like Warner Brothers and Steven Spielberg thinking, right, let's let's really give it a go and let's really compete with the likes of whatever Disney are putting out, whatever Nickelodeon are putting out. I'm not sure if if there are like tons more cartoons, but like as you said, with Warner Brothers, with all three shows. They completely knocked it out of the park. It was very well done. It was one of those where it wasn't just for kids. And we're going to talk about that particularly with Animaniacs later. You could be an adult and sit down and and, and enjoy these cartoons. It's not just for yeah, kids. Yeah, completely. And obviously, like this is three cartoons that Warner Brothers did. There are tons more you know, that I could list you right now that I still find hilarious and love, love to watch now. Um, but yeah, I think that's one of the great things is that it does have like levels of comedy where if you're a kid, you're going to laugh at the anvil. And if you're an adult, you're going to laugh at the anvil. But also some of the, you know, the, some of the other jokes, you know, some of the jokes where it talks about like, you know, workplaces or, you know, or or not adult themes, but more adult themes, you know, like more, um, you know, more subtle things that, you know, an adult will perhaps find funny, but a kid won't really know what's going on. Um obviously i've kind of been on both of those both of those places now i've been the kid and now now in that now i am the adult so yeah like it really is a great show right yeah let's let's get right into it and let's talk about episodes um right so the i watched episode one two in like 44 or something weird um yeah i think i think the first series had like a hundred odd episodes in it yeah, I, I watched all from the first series. I think, um, from what I think, I did have trouble with the um, with the links at one point. I, I was I was on it, and then it wouldn't play the video. It just uh, it was just coming up with a black box and black box and black box. And then in the end, I had to reset my phone, and it worked. Um, uh, anyway, so this one was Looney Beginning. It was called Looney Beginning, and this is we're talking about it being like kind of self aware. So it kind of starts off, and animators are trying to come up with new ideas and um 
So this is guy. You know, these are the guys that kind of made Bugs Bunny, and he's getting chewed up in the office of the um, Warner Brothers chief exec or the boss. It says thing is boss on the door or something like that. And and um, he's like, you got to find something new, or you're going to get fired, or some or something like that. And he um, and he's and he makes so he goes out and he makes like this really cute little bunny. He's like, no, that's too cute. Kind of a Goldilocksy kind of thing, I guess. And th- and then he gr- makes this massive, real butch kind of. Um, rabbit with um a flamethrower and he gets burnt he throws his coffee over it and then he kind of makes something in the middle which is buster um buster rabbit and then he makes him a mate which is um babs so yeah so kind of keep so they're kind of little you know characters and he kind of then it kind of introduces all the other little characters like um like you know um uh hampton j pig and um and plucky the duck and uh, and things like that and one thing I do, do love, I think we spoke about it last week, was was Daffy Duck. Oh yeah, because of the Duckula, uh, um, Count Duckula and stuff. And yeah, I'm a huge fan of Daffy Duck. I think he's like one of the funniest. Um, I was gonna say I did like when they drew Babs and he's like a girl. And he's like, yeah, welcome to the welcome 90s. to the nineties. Yeah, 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 I did like that. <laughs> Boom. And they kind of make. Uh, do they? Do you see um, little? Uh, what's his name? I've written Marty here, but what? Montana, Monty. Montana um, Max. Montana Max. Yes, yeah, so I loved Montana Max. Actually, do you want to introduce him because this is your guy? You said at the beginning you liked this guy. <laughs> well, no, because I think what they need to do is um, they want to. They want. They wanted a villain because obviously they they're trying to create the perfect cartoon. So they have all the characters. They have all the side pieces or whatever. They're all auditioning. And obviously the location is Acme Acres. And yeah, they're looking for neighbors. And obviously Go Go Dodo was a bit too crazy. And so, yeah, they're basically writing the scripts. And I think um, Hampton, JPEG, and um, they're all writing the, uh, the scripts or whatever. And then Montana just comes over. Boom. It's my script. I'm going to take over. I'm going to become this rich guy. And, you know, this, 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 this place is mine. And then I like how they uh, Buster and Babs they disguise as Elmer Fudd and Yosemite Sam, so they're all like, "I'm gonna go, I'm a shooting," and then Elmer Fudd's like, "Yeah, uh, I'm a cat, the rabbit," uh, and he's just they're going off, and then they're just basically causing a madness, and yeah, they get the scripts and they've written everything out, and then obviously the guy comes back into the office. The script is successful and Tiny Toon Adventures is born. And obviously Bugs Bunny's looking at him. He's like, hey, this kid's got Maxie. So obviously he's kind of giving them advice as to how to build and develop a cartoon and how to make it good, how to make it suspenseful and, and everything like that. And um, did you write any that, other... Did you write bit? down the last line? The last line cracked me up. This, the animator's... Because so they they give the uh, the scripts back to the animator, right? And the animator's like, "Oh, thank you so much, thank you so much." And he says, "Is there anything I can do with you?" And they're like, "Well, you could give us a created by credit." He goes, "Ha ha, no, oh, <laughs> yes, yes." Oh my god, that's how I felt like when I was like a, a lowly newspaper journalist. Any chance of a byline? Seeing as I wrote some of this stuff, yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. I don't think the mirror ever gave me my byline, even though I did like gig guides for like the next seven months or whatever. Really? Yeah, I did like loads of gig guides and making people watch the specials and other groups and things like that. But um, I don't think I ever got a byline for them, even though it was me, even though they didn't really change what I wrote and, and things like that. 
But um, yeah, I I think the next yeah the next episode I watched was episode seventeen. So you probably watched a couple before, didn't you? Yeah, I watched episode two, which was called A Quack in the Quarks. Yes, yeah, so this is a Star Wars um parody. So I I I thought it was um. Really cool. So, anyway, so the duck, uh, Plucky Duck, is saying like he's he's in the class classroom and he's and he's like you know kind of a, what did you do over the weekend and he's like making up this story about how he saved the world and he did this and did that and then um, two little ducks come into the classroom and uh, one thing I really liked about this was Foghorn Leghorn is a teacher. I think he's one of the funniest characters in um, uh, you know Warner Brothers characters as well. I say, I say, I must say, I I do agree with you there. I say, I say, I agree with you there. So um, he basically tells these tells um, Plucky because he gets fed up of Plucky Duck. So he says, "Go out and give these guys a tour because these are the little kind of things." And it turns out that these are little aliens, and they kind of kidnap Plucky because they think he's because he's bragging about being the best. He they think he's the best, bravest person on Earth. So they take him to his home planet so he can defeat. Um, uh, Duck Vader. So they take him back, and the elders are not impressed. They're about to kill them. Um, uh, so he goes to speak to Duck Vader, but Duck Vader just kind of zaps him, and they and that's when the ducks realize that maybe he's not the best one in the world. Um, the so Babs and um, Buster and I think Hampton J Pig are on their way to to help them. Uh, they get there for some reason. They have got their own rocket, and. Um, Hampton gets caught by Duck Vader and they use him as kind of bait and they said like so he kind of captures everyone because he's got him and then uh, Vader gets covered in this red sauce by someone and there's like a bull for some reason in the spaceship and it, and the bull kind of smashes him up um, because you know don't show red to a bull and he said don't show red to the bull even, even your tongue then he gets put in jail and Ollie and Frank the two little ducks get to be leaders of their planet and Plucky Duck is a hero, and it, but it's all kind of like Star Wars Episode One, um, sorry, Episode One, Episode Four, and it's the whole kind of like you know, uh, go to the spaceship, have a thing, destroy the spaceship, and then the medal ceremony at the end, and Plucky Duck gets like a medal kind of thing. Um, yeah, so that was that episode. The next episode I watched was Episode Forty Four. Episode Forty Four. Okay, so I can talk about Episode Seventeen then, can't I? So this was an episode called Life in the 90s. So every kind of sketch was kind of like how life is in the 90s. So basically the first one was whining out. So Buster, Babs, Plucky and Hampton are going to a fancy restaurant called Attitude. And this is like the the place to be. This is like uh, the most exclusive restaurant because obviously in the 90s, going out to dinner seemed to be the in thing. And the president even comes down to dinner. And this is meant to be like a, a parody of Abraham Lincoln. And obviously Babs is like, why can't we just go to Weenie Burgers? And obviously they're like, oh, look, we dressed up. We want to look fancy. Let's go to this place. And so they Hampton did do a reservation. And he goes, I reserved for two years. And then the man was like, um, actually, it's three-year reservation. And then... Um, Buster sees that someone was bribing the uh, the guy at the door, and so he takes him to the table. And then Buster gets like a a, a leaf from a tree, and he just sl- slips into the pocket. And then the guy's like, "Oh, okay, sure. Why didn't you do this before?" And then they basically get taken outside for a table, and they're like, "Uh, hello." And then they manage to kind of go inside, 
and they're still being treated like garbage and they can't order nothing. And so Babs dresses up a share as she's doing the whole like, I'm sure. And you know, with that voice that Cher has and oh, I love me so oh no, it's not the word. And doing all of that. And then everyone's looking around going, Oh my god, it's Cher, it's Cher. And so the waiters are thinking, Oh, it's Cher, we have to serve them. And so they get and they basically come with their orders or whatever, and it's like really tiny portions. Again, it's like a new thing in the nineties. You're going out to restaurants and you're having tiny, tiny portions, and then Hampton J Pig's like, "What the hell is this all about?" And and then all the portions are small, and they basically they get the bill, and it says everything you own and your firstborn, <laughs> and they're like, "What the hell? We didn't even eat that much." And so they end up using Montana Max's ID. And they use like his credit cards and they just max it out. And then they're like, right, we're just going to go to Weenie Burgers instead. That was the uh, the first um, skit. And then the second one was Paper Trained. So Buster, again, in the 90s, you got to get a job. You got to earn some money. That's how life is in the 90s. And so Buster wants to be uh, a paper boy. And, he, and he's using it so that he can earn a, a bit of cash. And so little Taz ends up eating the papers. Buster's being chased by dogs. He goes to Montana Max's and he realizes that he hasn't paid for his paper in ages. He refuses to pay and he locks. And basically there's like this whole skit with how he's like trying to avoid Buster, but Buster somehow is like there in front of him. And there was one particular moment where I think he locks him in his money vault. And he's like, you want the money kind of thing? There you go. I'm going to lock you in there. And Buster comes out and then his jaw drops and it's like the whole building caves in when his jaw drops. He's like, in typical cartoon style, his jaw just drops. And then he's just, and and he ends up blowing his whole house away and he's trying to get away, but he can't still get away. And he's reading in the paper that he loses all of his money. And he's like, all right, fine, fine. How much do I pay? And he's like, yeah, it's two bucks. And then he's like, fine, here you go. And then the net, and then the final one was butt out, and so Babs wins a free dinner at a diner, and the dinner is ruined by Roderick and Rubella who are smoking in front of her. Again, another thing of the nineties was that smoking was really really cool, and you're a cool dude if you smoke a cigarette. And so, basically, yeah, Babs makes a, a sly comment to Rubella saying, "No, oh, she doesn't really look that good." And so they're like, you know what? Let's get even with Babs. And so everywhere Babs go, they smoke in front of her. And so Babs is thinking, right, I'm going to try and figure out a way for them to give up smoking. And so she's pretending to be a doctor. She's like blowing air into them and kicks them out. And then Babs comes back and she's dressed up as a counselor, giving them advice about smoking. And so all of this advice, like, you know what? Okay, fine. Roderick and Rubella, they finally quit. And by the time Babs gets rid of them, her food gets all melted. And that's how that episode ends. And the next episode I watched was from Series 2. So uh, it's all yours again. Cool. So this one was called... Actually, I'm not sure what it was called because it didn't make sense. Um, uh, so I, it was episode 44 on the list. And so basically this episode was uh, a um, kind of a sketchy episode. And it was about... The whole overriding thing was kind of like global warming and recycling and things like this. So so Plucky gets bashed up by fish. He's cleaning the river or the sea. People are dumping in the pond. It's Elmra, Elmra Duff. 
Elmira. Elmira Duff and the little girl. Yeah, so she's like she's kind of like um treating him like uh, do you know um Toy Story when Buzz is Mrs. Nesbitt and she's in a tea party. So he's kind of like she dresses him up in like this kind of stuff and he's in in the um uh in the tea party and he says he's he's trash bag dispenser, like this superhero thing, and she's treating him like a baby and he's getting kind of annoyed about it. Um, and she's not listening. She says, "Why? When will you listen?" He's like, "Oh, when you um, when you make a um, sorry, when if the TV tells me to do it." So he does like a TV commercial to to do that um, to to tell her. Then they do. They she ta- he takes her to like, this waste like recycling place, but it's like he puts all the rubbish into Taz little Taz's mouth, and he cr- he crumples it up, and then. Um, she puts him in his mouth and she he gets taken to the um, recycling plant. So that was the end of that part. Next one was called Jungle Bungle. And Buster's skating, then a big wave comes and it's like a tsunami. Um, then um, Montana Max tries to sell him a beachfront house because, like, you know, there's water there now. Um, then the rainforest is gone and Buster and Babs have to go to Looney uh, Looniversity to find out what's going on and turns out it's this big evil thing that's destroying the rainforest um, and so they're destroying the whole the whole tree comes in and then a tiny little elevator button comes out and and they all the rest is just being burnt um, and it turns out this man's called Ronald Grump he's doing it all for the money and um, he said, uh, so then they kind of like capture his little machine. They're going to destroy his house. He says, I'll stop doing what you want as long as you don't destroy my house. Um, and that was the end of that part. The next one was waist deep in Wacko land. Um, Montana Max has made a pollution free factory, but it's, it's like kind of a ruse. It's like, this is like PR campaign that is factories waste free, but he's actually dumping it all in wacky land. And there's this weird alien thing catches a mermaid, puts it back cause it's too small. Um, in comes the rubbish from Montana Max, and um, they're not happy. Uh, they're going to chop off his head. Um, on they say capture um, Mon- Monty, and they're going to chop off his head. But instead, he says they'll clean up the mess. And then he's the mess like attacks him, and that was the end of that whole episode. And one thing I will say though, just quickly, is it's kind of going to go for all three cartoons today. But it's kind of hard to do the episode rundown because what you're saying sounds so weird. But even though it's so funny though like when it, it is ha- yeah but, i know um, what you mean anyway those are my three episodes cool right so uh, i watched one from series two episode seven which was acme cable tv this was a brilliant episode i laughed my way throughout this episode pretty much so yeah it basically starts off with buster and babs they contract the taiwan flu so they're stuck at home watching tv and so they're just basically flicking through all these different channels and all these different things that are on. So they flick onto the Babsy and Bull, Basby and Buswinkle show. So it's just basically they're on a missile and they're heading to the Bay of Pigs, but not like the Bay of Pigs in Cuba. It's just an area where it's just an island with pigs on it. And so they're talking about all these things where I think they're trying to like send uh, missiles to this place. So they've got this thing called a boom with a view or missile while you work. If you remember the, uh, the classic song and then they change the channel and then go, go Dodo is uh, singing about foot loops. 
and follow your toes it's just basically a really gross song about how you'd be singing about toes and they show this little thing where it looks like disney's castle so they're kind of doing i think i think they did the whole like disney gimmick and the intro and so like Badsby ends up blowing it up by accident and so they do a thing called walt dizzy and so hammer shark doesn't want to eat the cat or something along those lines they flick the channel flassy the world's smartest dog and he want and flassy wants to save a boy from falling down and so he's going to a little girl who's meant to be elmira and he's and the dog can talk and so he's like quick quick you gotta come with me we've got to save this boy and the girl's like eh? and he's like are you stupid? There's a little boy. He's about to fall. Come with me. We've got to save him. And she's just like, ah, da, 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 da. and then you just hear, <laughs> and they're just looking at the camera awkwardly. And then basically Montana Max, he's losing everything. And so there's a possum swamp pauper who ends up taking Montana Max's money. Then you had a thing called Tooniewood Squares. So, you know, if you ever ever watched the game like Celebrity Squares, I never realized it was just essentially a game of noughts and crosses. Yeah, I don't know what that is. It... Have you ever heard of Celebrity Squares? Yeah, I've heard of it, but I don't... Is that where it, like, they're kind of... They're like, all, in, yeah, in screen, sitting in up the there in the squares and you've got like two contestants. And I think you have to like choose... So one from the top, and then you got to choose one from diagonal to make like noughts and crosses. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, no, I have seen that because I watched one with Paddy McGuinness on it, and I thought it was quite funny. Yeah. So basically, this is Tooniewood Squares, and it's Matt, it's Montana Max versus Elmira, and so they have to like compete against each other. And so I think Gogo is basically promoting his new book, which is called Light Reading. It's just basically a book with a light on. <laughs> <laughs> So it's those sort of things. Why. Yeah, I don't know why. Normally, this wouldn't make me laugh, but I was howling with laughing. He goes, "Light reading, bing." And so, um, yeah. So they, 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 you have to ask questions, and I think you have to agree with the celebrity you choose. And so, the one of the questions was, "Is dynamite allowed in cartoons? Do you agree or disagree?" And Montana is just basically. Um, He's he's trying to like be like, what the hell are you talking about? It, of course it shouldn't be allowed. And then it passes on to Elmira. And uh, she goes, yes, it should be allowed. And then I think it's basically gives it to a dog who's sitting on these squares. And they're like, oh, what do you think? How do you, you describe life in America? And he basically goes, rough. <laughs> and he's like, Montana Max is like, what the hell does that mean? Oh, what am I supposed to understand of it? And then it's like, correct to Elmira. Life in America is indeed rough. And then what happens? Oh, what does an... And then I think in the end, it's like, what does a, an anvil sound like? And they're like, we don't know. And they basically drops on Montana. <laughs> and then it drops on Elmira. And then I think, and I think the prize was, oh, you get to win everything you want. And whoever loses has to go down to Hades, which I think is a hell, basically. And I think, yeah, Montana loses. And so he ends up having to go all the way down to Hades. And then they do a uh, a skit of uh, Roseanne called Grossan. 
and basically is that she's gross and she eats too much and her partner's also gross and he eats too much and they're like, oh, I want to go to work. Give me a kiss. And they can't kiss because they're too fat and they can't reach each other's faces. So they just bounce off each other's bellies and fall on the floor. And then this was just truly, just truly wonderful. So this was the Go Gosby show. So this was Go Go Dodo as Bill Cosby. Oh, God. <laughs> and so he's like um, to his wife, he's like, Claire. I believe that we don't have enough cute babies in the house. And so he's like, Claire goes, oh, we already have lots and lots of kids. And then I think one of the boys walks in and he's like, oh, hey, dad, I want to go to a party. Is that all right? And he's like, sure you can, kid. And hey, have an Acme pudding pop. And so he just shoves this thing in his mouth and he's got like the shape of pudding pop head. And he goes away and he goes, so Claire, I would love to inquire about the babies and have lots of cute cosby babies and then like literally they fall off the uh the chimney and like two cute little babies come up and he's like yes this is cute little babies that just that whole skit just made me laugh and then there was the incredible discoveries so this was like a, a solar powered clothes dryer that can help dry clothes quickly they're selling it for 9.99 but the crowd ain't happy and so I think Babs is like, keeps bringing the price down. And then they're like, oh, we don't want it. We don't want it. She goes, all right, fine. You can have this. You can have an entire house. You can have a vault with money in it. You can have all of this. How about now? And then the crowd are going, boo. And it's like, what do you want? I'm giving you everything, everything, everything. And then they kind of relent. And then they finally switch off the TV. And Buster and Babs turn into couch potatoes. Oh, what an episode that was. I don't think I, I don't think my rundown did it justice as well. I think that's my concerning thing about all of the shows that we talk about today that I'm that I'm not gonna give it justice as to how funny and how good it was. Yeah, I think that's just kind of it's gonna be like um nature of the beast today. Um it's believe me, these shows are worth watching, that's all I can say. <laughs> and the, yeah, the last episode I watched, which was I think technically the finale, because I think the last one was a Christmas episode, and uh, I don't think we're ready to be talking about Christmas just yet, even though I did watch a Animaniacs Christmas episode, but uh, more of that later. So yeah, so this was a best of Buster Day. So uh, it starts off with Buster getting in trouble with Bugs Bunny due to lack of results and not being effective at the cartoons. And so he's like, I am a good guy. I'm a good guy. And this is what I do. So the first kind of skit is compromising principles. So it's, yeah, it's basically about a vice principal, Yosemite Sam, is trying to get a new job at a different school. And so Buster is concerned that with Sam gone, the students won't be able to get away with as much. And so, yeah, so Yosemite Sam's kind of whole idea is let's do this thing called student of the day. And so the student that has best study habits and good general behavior gets free burgers. And Yosemite Sam wants the kids to be well behaved so that he, yeah, he can get his promotion. And so there's a woman called Misconduct and he's giving her a tour of the school. And he's seeing, they're going to maths class or economics class. And so he walks in and he can see like Buster and everyone going, oh, so if you can see the rising prices of Acme, goes up and our prices go up so it's basically like a 
in economy class and he goes, okay, some misconduct come inside. And so she comes inside and she basically sees them all gambling, basically doing ill repute, turning it into a, a Vegas casino and not a good one. And so she's like, you know what? I'm going to give you one strike. What the hell's that all about? And he walks in, he sees them doing their whole economics class again. And he's like, huh? He's like, okay, fine, fine, fine. Next, they go to the dining hall. So Sam, he goes inside, he's seeing it. Basically, everyone's in order. It's like a fancy restaurant with, with all the trimmings and whatnot. And so Misconduct goes in. And so she's like, sees like some kind of dump restaurant. And so it's like, what do you want? Gruel? And so she walks out, she goes, right. This is the second strike. And so the, the other one is the kids are trying to operate on Misconduct. And so she's like, you know what? You're fired. And so your semi, your seventy Sam is like with his gun going, I'm gonna get you, you stupid little rabbit. And that's how that one ends. Next one was called May to Reorder. So uh, Montana Max fires his butler because he messes up with his water, and so he basically throws out his family. I like that Montana Max has a doorbell when he goes, money, when he rings it. Instead of going ding dong, it's just like money. And then um, the butler, he's staying in Buster's Borough, but Buster's like fed up with them. And Montana's like, you know what? I want a new butler. And so Buster and Babs are dressing up as maids and they, they're like basically the worst maids ever. And they're like eating all the food. So they basically uh, end up dressing up as German maids. And so they're cleaning the house and they're like, oh, we want next to nothing. Yeah, we come from the small country of Germany and we want to do this. Yeah. And then they basically turn his house into an old farm because they get homesick and they're turning it into some like dairy farm, whatever. And it's just like, oh, this is just like how it was in our home country. And he's basically like, what the hell have you done to my house? What the hell have you done to my house? And this bit now was so brilliant. He's like, you're turning my house into this. And then all of a sudden you just hear, das cuckoo, das cuckoo, das cuckoo. <laughs> and we love so much. <laughs> he's turning it into Germany. And he's going, you managed to get a cuckoo clock from Germany going, das cuckoo, das cuckoo. <laughs> oh my God. He's like, you know what, right? You lot need to all get out of here. And he wants his old butler, Grovely, back. So he's like, Grovely, come back here, come back here. And so. But then um, they find out that uh, Grovely is working for someone else. And so Montana's like, you know what? Please come back. Please come back. I'll pay you double of what they're paying you. I will, you know, do all of this and that. And so he ends up uh, giving. Um, so he has to end up um, serving uh, Grovely and his family in order to afford paying Grovely's wages. So that was pretty crazy. And then the last one was class without class. And so uh, Bugs Bunny is telling, so it starts with Bugs Bunny giving Buster one more chance to straighten up and fly right. And so he's telling him an important lesson about how rabbits and Tasmanian devils never get on. And Bugs, Bugs Bunny is ordering Buster to play a trick on Dizzy. And, and you've got Tasmania who's ordering Dizzy to play a trick on Buster because Tasmanian devils and rabbits don't get along. And obviously, I think Dizzy and Buster were like mates, but then Buster and Dizzy are now fighting with each other. And yeah, so they Buster's like playing tricks on uh, Dizzy. 
Anvil drops on a lady disguising as a police. And then so Buster's disguising as a police officer. And so Bugsy is basically, um, he's got him on an electric chair. Bugsy is Buster. So Buster's got the little Dizzy on an electric chair. And he's like, please, 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 please. And then you see like, ring, ring. And he says on the, and he says on the thing, a call from governor. So he basically picks up the phone and he's like, hello, governor. How can I help you? And he goes, oh, whatever. I'm going to do it anyway. And so you're like, what the hell is he doing? He's got him on the electric chair. And he's basically like, ah! And then he <laughs> changes his mind halfway through. And then um, they change their mind. And they actually end up playing a trick on Bugs Bunny and Tasmania. And Bugs is like, you know what? You've impressed me. And I'm really, really happy with you. And good job. And uh, you'll be pleased to know that Tiny Toons Luniversity was announced in October 2020 as a reboot of Tiny Toon Adventures, featuring no all the versions of the characters. And the new series will be produced by Amblin Television and Warner Bros. And Amazing. animation for Cartoon Network and HBO Max. And Steven Spielberg will return as executive producer alongside Sam Register, while the show will be run by Erin Gibson. And the show was given a two-season order and will be released in 2021. And however, like the Animaniacs reboot, some characters will not be returning, such as Elmira Duff, which was confirmed by her voice actress, Cree Summer. So, Tiny Toon Adventures. Whew. If anyone has not seen this, they've just got to go and watch it. Um, it's as simple as that. Obviously, like, it helps to know the characters, both Barney and Daffy Duck, and you know, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But this this cartoon was great. Um, yeah, I, I I enjoyed it. I mean, yeah, I don't know what to say. Yeah, I really don't know what to say. Yeah, I enjoyed it, and I am very, 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 very much looking forward to the reboot in twenty twenty one. Now we're going on to Tasmania. And uh, this uh, came out in September 1991 again. So uh, some the of the Dead things... Sea Scrolls. Well, funnily enough, I've not going to be mentioning that. I managed to find some different stuff to talk about uh... that happened in 1991. So uh, Sverdlovsk name is restored to its pre-communist era name Yekaterinburg. And two days later, Leningrad is renamed St. Petersburg. Lebanese kidnappers release Jackie Mann after more than two years of captivity. The Republic of Macedonia becomes independent, beginning a name dispute with Greece. Necessary Roughness was in the cinemas. And Sunshine on a Rainy Day by Zoe was in the charts. Oh yeah, I know this one. Of course you know this one. And so Tasmania was an American animated sitcom also produced by Warner Brothers. And the show follows the adventures of the Looney Tunes character Taz in the fictional land of Tasmania. And similar to the other Warner Bros. cartoons of its time, such as Animaniacs and Tiny Toon Adventures, Tasmania frequently broke the fourth wall and often made jokes showing that Taz could actually speak perfectly normal when he wanted to. And the intro indicates that in this rendering of Tasmania, the sky is always yellow, even rain or shine. 
and the title song is performed by Jess Harnell and Jim Cummins. I thought I'd do the character rundown in the style of the theme song. So, <clears throat> we have Didgeri Dingo and Wendell T. Wolf. Francis X. Bushlad is never uncouth. Bushwaka Bob and his mother called Mum. Constance and Thickly just want to have fun. Borgada and Axel are always left sore. If you have a deal, just call by the ball. The Platypus brothers are a backing about. The Kiwis, the Bushrats, have we left anyone out? I mean, if you think that's bad, you, <laughs> wait till you hear me try the Nations of the World by... Uh, Oh my god! If you Yako Warner. That, we need to like United States, Panama, Mexico, it. Canada. <laughs> I, I, one thing I I listened to that about four or five times. Through. <gasps> oh, it's outstanding! But um, yes, I'll do a proper rundown of the characters and not the goofy style of the thing. So. You got the Tasmanian Devil family. So Taz, of course, he's the central character of the series and appears in every episode. Taz is wild and tough and frequently hungry and is has a very big dislike of water, though he is less ferocious and more thoughtful than his original incarnation. There's Jean, Taz, Jean Devil, who is Taz's dedicated and doting mother. Many episodes circle around her speaking on the phone and running through a long list of chores she has created for herself. Hugh, Tasmanian Devil, is Taz's easygoing, talkative, and very comical father, whose voice and her mannerisms are a parody of uh, Bing Crosby. Yeah. Hey, how you doing there, Taz? Are you all right there? Yes, yes, sir. And a schmackety schmackety and a schmackety schmackety. schmackety. <laughs> I, did, I did love that. Oh, and then there's Molly, who is 16-year-old sister, and despite being more refined than her older brother, she often shares his vicious and bossy nature. And there's Jake, who is Taz's playful, very imaginative, energetic, and fun-loving little brother. Bushwhacker Bob is Taz's loud and grumpy, uppity, rude, selfish, lazy, and incompetent boss. boss. And he's the owner of Hotel Tasmania. That's where Taz works, I believe. Mom is Bushwhacker Bob's mother who is much calmer and wiser than her son. Digiri Dingo is a self-serving dingo who pretends to be Taz's friend so he can avoid dangerous situations and discomfort at Taz's expense. Wendell T. Wolf is a neurotic thylacine who is desperate for any type of friendship. Francis X. Bushlad, who is a white-skinned, red-haired Aboriginal boy who unsuccessfully hunts Taz as a right of manhood. Bullgator and Axel are two saltwater crocodiles who unsuccessfully try to trap Taz for the enjoyment of zoo-going children around the world. Buddy Boar is a yuppie who often seen talking on his cell phone and claims to be Taz's best friends. And the Platypus brothers, Daniel and Timothy, are twin Platypus brothers whose love of do-it-yourself projects usually ends up causing trouble for Taz. Whew, okay, Tasmania. I'm absolutely out of breath doing that. And I only like did like just a bit of the theme song. I didn't do all of it. Now, do you know what? One thing about Taz, it reminds me of um, Pogs. Not Pogs, Tazos. Do you remember Tazos? Yes. It reminds me of those. Um, obviously, because it's called Tazos for a start. But um, <laughs> uh, um, no, but uh, Taz is one of the one of the more memorable 
not mainstream Warner Brothers cartoons, if you see what I mean. So you've got like the Bugs Bunny, the Daffy Duck, stuff like that. Put that aside. Then you've got Taz. Like he's, for me, he's definitely one of the more memorable standalone cartoons. Um, yeah, I mean, I was kind of a little bit afraid you're going to tell me a horror story about like about this, um, about Taz. Like, because I, it's one of those shows that I just, I think it's hilarious. The visual gags, like the, um, the, uh, like his illegible, not illegible. What's the word? He can't incomprehensible speech and stuff. Yeah, like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that is funny. And um, I, I yeah, I just I enjoyed, I, I enjoyed it when I was a kid so much. I I loved Taz, and again as an adult, rewatching it, uh, and I keep saying it again and again and again. But it's just such a pleasure to be part of this podcast and to get the chance to revisit these shows and because sometimes when it often not often times but sometimes it doesn't work but sometimes like this it just like comes alive again for you and yeah it's it's, it's awesome yeah i mean if i was to be incredibly harsh i would say that tasmania didn't necessarily age well but even as saying that i loved this a lot as a kid and even now even as i was a slightly older kid when he used to come on cbbc he's come on cbbc i would still watch tasmania no matter how old i got even if i was like in my early teens i would still go out of my way to watch tasmania it was one of those cartoons where it just kind of it clicked with me i thought it was yeah wacky it was stupid it was fun to watch Tasmania is this guy who's like this bumbling guy running around and he's trying to be more refined and I love how his family are trying to help him become more refined and they're helping him to simulate into society in in that respect but he never really does because at the end of the day he's just a a wild Tasmanian devil and it was one of those things even as a kid I, I was like is there really such a thing as a Tasmanian devil and it's like yes I believe Tasmanian devils do exist, don't they? Yeah, I mean, I I knew they existed, but I googled them whilst you were introing it to see what they looked like. So because I knew that they were a thing, but I didn't know, you know, what they looked like or anything like that. So I think, um, I'm guessing they must only be in Tasmania, right? Surely, I guess that's the only place. Yeah, out back. But um, one thing about has i noticed was that it was quite short it's like 10 minute episodes versus like the 20 minute episodes 23 four minute episodes of um tiny tunes but so it kind of had short episodes but the other ones were kind of like sections if you see what i mean but it was just kind of like short bursts i think it depends what you watched as well because i think the episodes i watched i managed to watch oh wow so the episodes I watched were two. So like there was two skits on there. So two 10-minute skits. I think with Tiny Toon Adventures, depending on what episodes you watch, they would be breaking down into either two or three skits. So they'll be like seven minutes long each. So with all of these shows, I didn't really have a problem with timing as opposed no, to... No, that's, that's what I was going to say. So it's like it, some of the Taz episodes were shorter, and some of the, but the other ones were, were it's quite clever, I thought, to, to break it up into three, like, three cartoons and you know, keep people engaged. Um, yeah, I mean, the first episode was obviously 20 minutes long, and I think the last two I watched were, were 10 minutes each. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a nice segue into episodes. 
So the first one, the dog and the turtle story. Yeah, so this is um, T- Taz has been hunted by. Um, I thought they were dingoes, but they're the um... bull and axle. Yeah, exactly the the saltwater crocodiles, as you mentioned earlier. Um, so they call him a stupid bad dancer, I think, and and something else. Um, so anyway, Taz bests the, the hunters at first. Then Taz finds a turtle, t- a turtle in a trap, and uh, then he wants to keep it like a pet. Um, and it kind of acting like a dog. So like throwing a stick for it and it keeps coming back. And he takes it home, but he tries to keep it a secret. Um, and a kid's running around a house in it. I'm not sure what. I think because it causes a madness in the house. And so they're all chasing after it. And I've put, I don't know why. Hopefully you can fill in the gap because this is the first episode I watched. And I put dad, dad massage chair part. And I'm guessing that made me laugh. Oh, no, because he comes back from wherever he was he was doing he's like oh i'm back home from whatever it was i was doing so i'm going to come here and i'm going to relax on my reliable chair and then basically they're all running on top of him and then the chair falls apart so mum and dad like the turtle mum says he looks so healthy and then tries to put him in the cooking pot um mum says uh, can he do tricks um so and, and he's like and and he's doing like card tricks um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the dad says, um, you have fun, son. And then you go, he goes, you go have fun, son. Play in a montage sequence. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think he has to give the dog back, but he's got to like, play with him. And um, so the, the turtle wants to go back with its family. So Taz takes him back. Taz is sad. He falls in a trap uh, with the crocodiles who wants to send him to the zoo in the Arctic Circle. Axel says something stupid and gets a whack in the head. <laughs> That's so funny. Every time that happened. And he's like, oh... Did I say something stupid? And he's like, yeah, you did. So you know what happens, don't you? Bang! <laughs> yeah, I, I wrote down that that should be a thing. If you get if you say something stupid like that, you get a whack on the head. Um, uh, so the oh kangaroos see it and they come and bash up the crocodiles. Um, they fall in a hole and Taz bashes them up and the turtle comes back with Taz. I don't know what episode this is next but it was called heartbreak taz i watched um episode two okay uh, yeah it definitely wasn't episode yep. two so so episode two episode two episode two like father like son so mom is incredibly busy with a lot of stuff so she's suggesting to the father that he should spend time with taz i so obviously he's all like oh the, the 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 bonding between a man and his father, there can be no sacred bond and yakety schmackety schmackety schmackety. And so and also mum is quite concerned with Taz because he's basically not refined as they are and he's basically ruining everything. He Molly's angry that he ripped up her poster of her favourite pop star. And so she's like, Oh, are you hungry, Taz? And Taz is like, Yeah, I am hungry. So he ends up eating the entire fridge. <laughs> Is that just the entire fridge? It's just stuff like that. It's just gold. <laughs> and so Daz is showing, and so Daz, Daz, Dad, and Taz. So yeah, Dad is showing Taz things, but Taz ain't interested and just basically wants to eat everything and turn and turn into a whirlwind. And so he's playing polo with Taz, but Taz ends up eating the horse. <laughs> so he's like, "What happened to your horse?" And Taz is like, "Oh." <laughs> so what happened? And so they're like, oh, right, let's get out of here before we get banned. 
And so they're playing golf, but Taz isn't very good and ruins all the golf clubs. And so he's a, and dad is trying to advise Taz to control his emotions and temper. So he's showing Taz how to build a house of cards, but it keeps coming dad. So it keeps coming down. So then dad loses his temper and destroys everything. And then they're like, ha 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 ha. And that's how the episode ends. Then there was Frights of Passage. So there's basically a meeting between all of the Bush lads. And so Francis X Bush lad becomes a man. And so his dad was like, you have a choice of three things. You can either do a hostile takeover of a Fortune 500 company. You could accumulate a portfolio with all of the businesses in the world or trap a Tasmanian devil. And so Francis chooses number three because he doesn't want to be seen as soft. So he is off to look for a Tasmanian devil. And so he's trying to trap Taz by painting a deer on the wall. And so Taz is like, oh, deer, hungry. And so Taz just ends up whacking on the wall. And then he's end up chasing him. And then he ends up in the mouth of Taz. And so it's just lots of slapstick, lots of chasing around. And he still doesn't get... Taz, so I think that's kind of the nice introduction of Francis X Bushlad and how his life's mission is to capture and trap a Tasmanian devil. Right, so I watched an episode called Heartbreak Taz, and Con- it's, it's kind of set in a hotel. So Constance is happy and she's in love with Taz, but she doesn't want to tell him in case he rejects her. And then the kangaroo tells her. I don't know who the kangaroo is. I've forgotten. Is that his... Didgeridingo, is it? Oh, is it? Must be. Um, I'm not sure. Um, he says, it's fine. Tells her it's fine. He loves you too. You've got to tell her. Then tra- Taz like basically tries to avoid her from that moment on. Um, and she's sad. Um, and then she's like, oh, you know, best way to get, through a, get to a man is through his stomach. So she starts cooking. Um, he likes it, but then he eats a chili and it scolds his mouth. Oh yeah, and then he, he drinks the soup to try and cool his mouth down, but it's scold, but it's like scalding hot. Then I say it's kangaroo, but it's probably the dingo again. Uh, talks um, to Taz, in, he talks Taz into taking her out. Um, then when he so he kind of gets dressed up and goes to her and like dressed up with flowers and chocolates and something. and it turns out that she doesn't want to date someone she works with, so he eats the flowers and the chocolates. Next episode I watched was called um, Bad Luck Bottle Cap, an episode set in um, uh, Egypt. So this was quite a funny episode. So um, Taz it got really excited because he found a bottle cap. And this like, bottle cap was like from ancient Egypt bottle cap. Um, and um, Didgeridingo Dingo says like, he found the cap and he convinces Taz that he found it. And Taz... It was lying the whole time, and and t- so Taz starts to feel bad. So, um, um, so he says, "I'll t- tell you what. If you wait here, th- this is a bottle cap crossing, and eventually a, a bottle cap's gonna, you know, come." Um, and then so, Didgeridingo decides to read a little bit more into the bottle cap. Turns out it's worth loads of money, but it's got a curse on it. And he says, "Whoever gets the bottle cap will get bashed up, basically, until." you give the curse away and the bottle cap away. So he tries to give it back to Taz and Taz isn't having none of it. So Taz is like, no, no, I feel bad. It's your bottle cap. You found it. And then every time Taz says you found it, he gets something falls on his head. 
So it starts off like a horseshoe falls on his head. He goes, what's a horseshoe got to do with ancient Egypt? And then three more horseshoes falls on his head and a chariot falls down on his head as well. Um, <laughs> um, and then like, and then he gets, and then he tries to give it to Taz again. Um, he tries to trick Taz into doing it. Um, and then like, he tries to look these magic things and he says like, and then Taz goes, oh, you found it again. Uh, and then a sarcophagus falls on his head. Uh, and then, um, then he's he kind of hides it, and then he gives gives Taz a metal detector. He goes, "Well, if you find it, then will you take it?" And Taz goes, "Yeah, of course." And then so, and he's trying to get the um, he he it beeps over the um, bottle cap, which he's made it very obvious kind of where it is. And then when he goes away, he's like, "It's here, you idiot! It's here! It's here! It's here!" And then he goes, "Oh, look, you found it again!" And then I think, what hits him that time? I thought, oh yeah, I think it's another sarcophagus comes and hits him. But it's the but the first time it was a woman mummy, and this one's of he goes, Have you seen a have you seen a mummy around here? Um it kind of opens up his little sarcophagus and he closes it again. Then he then he says, Oh, I know. I, I'll take I'll just send it across the bottle cap crossing where Taz has been waiting for a bottle cap to thing. And then a whole stampede of like kind of bottle caps crush him. And then he found he found the, the thing again and um and then uh, I think what hits him Oh, he he, do, he, dodge, he dodges like a big Egyptian block, and then he dodges another big Egyptian block, and then he runs off, and a pyramid lands on him. Um, this is quite funny. Anyway, that, that was the end of that episode. So basically, that was an episode where he was trying to get rid of his curse because he didn't want it anymore, and it kept he kept coming a cropper. Anyway, very funny, very very good episode. Okay, so. I watched uh, an episode from series two called Oh Brother. So a little gorilla is with his big brother and he wants to hear the story about how the big gorilla beat 50 Tasmanian devils. And so they run into Jake, who's playing football, and the little gorilla is telling the big gorilla to attack Jake. But uh, the big gorilla is trying to like talk to Jake and then Jake's like, I don't talk to strangers, sorry. He just ignores him. And then... The big gorilla is basically trying to get like a, a, a mallet or whatever. And he's trying to hit Jake over it. So he ends up hitting Taz. And then Taz is like, why you hit Taz with mallet? Now you upset Taz. And so the gorilla basically gets into a big old fight. And then the big gorilla and the little gorilla's like, oh, this is so embarrassing. I'm going to have to grow up knowing about this. And then the big gorilla ends up smashing Taz into an oak tree. And then he's like, why you smash Taz into an oak tree? And then he gets beaten up again. And then third time, he smacks Taz in a dark cave. And he's like, why you smack Taz in a dark cave? And so the little gorilla comes out and he tries to fight and he loses. And then the big gorilla tries to attack. And he's like, you know what's going to happen, don't you? And then so Jake and the little gorilla end up playing together. They're like, oh, this is all very, very, very embarrassing. And then so the next bit was Taz Babies. So the TV TV producers are talking to their boss and they're pitching an idea for the next big show. And so basically it starts off with Taz and Bull. Taz, Bull and Axel and they want to put Taz in a zoo. And so boss is like, you know what? This is boring. Let's cut to the chase. And Axel wants to know why they're always running. And Bull's like, well, it's because the boss wants this. 
and a random rock and the and Buster, oh, why did you just throw a rock? Random rock. It just whacks Bull and Axel out of nowhere. And then Bull, he's like basically sucking up, going, Oh, it's what the boss wants, is is it's best for one, is best what the boss wants. And and he, and Bull wants to end up being in the lead role. And and it's basically the Bull Mania show, the Bull Mania show with Bull and Axel. But Taz comes out of nowhere and just swallows them both whole. So there's no Bull Mania show. And then Axel gets turned into a dog. But Bull gets a change of features. And the producer instead is like, you know what? Okay, sub this. I don't want this. So he wants Taz to tell his story. And so Taz starts talking going, you know what? I'm sick and tired of all of this. And he's like talking in real like English. And then they're like, oh, we don't want that. So they decide to um, turn them into babies. And the show would be called Taz Babies. And so, yeah, they're just all babies. And then I think in the end, the Platypus Brothers come along and then someone pitches a show with them too. And the finale starts off with one Saturday in Tasmania. So Taz is like waking up late and thinking, oh my God, I'm going to be late for work. Then he realizes it's Saturday. As we all do, when we're like, oh, 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 thank God it's Saturday. And so he's thinking, you know what? I'm just going to have a nice, chill day. And so Jake comes in. He's like, what are you reading? And he's basically annoying him reading the comic book. So Taz is like, you know what? All right, fine. Here you go. Take the comic book. And then Taz is like, you know what? Let me watch TV. And so Jake is like, what are you watching? And he's trying to watch the TV and he can't. And so Jake gets scared every time the something happens on the show. And so Taz is like, you know what? Watch whatever you want on TV. So Taz is in the kitchen and trying to make a sandwich. And so Jake wants every little bit of the sandwich. And so Taz gives him everything. And then Taz goes outside to go chill on the hammock. But Jake comes in to join him. And he's humming the Intibitsy Spider song too loud. So he's like... And Taz is like, I'm trying to sleep. And then Taz locks himself in his room, and Jake comes in. He's like, I only want to spend the day with you. And so Taz is like, You know what? Sod this. I'm just going to give up. And the last uh, sketch was the Platypi on film. So this was the Platypus Brothers. And they're voting on films that, they, that they'll watch and that they'll enjoy. So there's a version called Bat-Taz. And so Bull and Axel are trying to be crooks playing hoodlums. But Taz comes to save the day. And then he's like, oh, how do we stop him? And then Bull is like, we have to try and stop your bad acting for a start. And then he's got webbed toe for Bat-Taz or something like that. And then it's Robin Taz. And so uh, Bushwhacker Bob is so upset because he wants to be the lead role. And he's like, I've got a better English accent than Robin Taz. And so basically he has to win the hand of Maid Marion. And so he has to try and shoot bow and arrow. So he ends up, instead of getting the target, I think he ends up whacking Bushwhacker Bob in the head. And then there's another one called Tazablanca. And so Taz wants the kangaroo to play a tune on the piano. And the building blows up because Taz gets angry. And the ducks are like, Taz is a star. 
and ducks they're they're reading letters from fans and one of them is from molly going oh you should be ashamed of yourself even though taz is my brother i think he's a terrible actor and uh yeah that was a uh, taz mania i've really enjoyed watching it again um this time around i thought it held up well um it certainly wasn't a boring cartoon and i was laughing i was laughing at it and it, i just think that's like yeah, I mean, it's, it's incredible, like, you know, something that made me laugh when I was a kid and again now. Okay, maybe if I'm being, like, super harsh and just being unnecessary, then I can, I'll say, like, um, it didn't age particularly well. I don't know, some of it might have been a bit too long, but, like, if that's just me being really nitpicky and harsh. Yeah, I, I, I disagree. I think it was, like, I, I think it held up quite well and... Um, I, I I just genuinely enjoyed it. I liked all the wacky characters, um, the the theme tune. One thing you got to say about all three shows: the theme tunes were incredible. Like, yes, like they got they, they all got you going. Yes. obviously, like uh, let's face it, it's no it's no um, it's not a secret today. Like I think really, well, who's got the best theme tune, the best cartoon, the best everything? Um, but yeah, I mean, Taz had a great theme tune and 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 so did tiny tunes for that matter but yeah taz taz again i I think taz is more iconic for me like thinking about my childhood than tiny tunes i think tiny tunes um maybe i didn't like as much as taz i think growing up but yeah no but i think with tiny tune adventures that just brings me back to my childhood like young childhood like not like 10 11 12 i'm talking about like five six seven like this is like I remember watching this the most when I was like a little kid. And so that's what kind of takes me back. Even Tasmania that I have lots of memories. I think with all three, yeah, like they just have so many fond memories of all of them. And so now we're finally coming on to Animaniacs. So this show came out in September 1993. So some of the things happening in the world. Following initial secret talks from earlier in the year, PLO leader Yasser Arafat and Israeli Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin shake hands in Washington, D.C. after signing a peace accord. The Cambodian monarchy is restored with Norodom Sihanouk as king. The Central African Republic ex-emperor Jean Bezel Bokassa is freed. The Good Son was in the cinemas and moving on up by uh, M People was in the charts. And uh, we're finally coming on to Animaniac. So this was a animated American comedy musical TV series created by Tom Ruger. It is the second animated series produced by Steven Spielberg's Amblin Entertainment in association with Warner Brothers Animation after Tiny Toon Adventures. It's a variety show with short skits featuring a large cast of characters while the show had no set format, the majority of episodes were composed of three short mini-episodes, each starring a different set of characters and bridging segments. Hallmarks of the series included its music, character, catchphrases and humour directed at an adult audience. The Warner siblings live in the Water Tower on the Warner Brothers studio lot in Burbank, California. However, characters from the series had episodes in various places and periods of time. 
the Animaniacs characters interacted with famous people and creators of the past and present, as well as mythological characters and characters from contemporary pop culture and television. Andrea Romano, the casting and recording director of Animaniacs, said that the Warner siblings functioned to tie the show together by appearing in and introducing other character segments. Each Animaniacs episode usually consisted of two or three cartoon shorts. Animaniac segments ranged in time from bridging segments less than a minute long to episodes spanning the entire show length. Writer Peter Hastings said that the varying episode lengths gave the show a sketch comedy atmosphere. The Animaniacs cast of characters had a variety of inspiration from celebrities to writers, family members, to other writers. Exec producer Steven Spielberg, Spielberg said that the irreverence in Looney Tunes cartoons inspired the Animaniacs cast. Tom Ruger created Pinky and the Brain, a series Sherry Stoner had also written for after being inspired by personalities of two of his Tiny Toon adventure colleagues, Eddie Fitzgerald and Tom Minton. Ruger thought of the premise for Pinky and the Brain when wondering what would happen if Minton and Fitzgerald tried to take over the world. And Ruger modeled the Warners' personalities heavily after his three sons because the Warners were portrayed as cartoon stars from the early 1930s. Ruger and other artists for Animaniacs made the images of the Warner of the Warners similar to cartoon characters of the early 1930s. Sherry Stoner created Slappy the Squirrel when another writer and friend of Stoner, John McCann, made fun of Stoner's career in TV movies playing troubled teenagers. And when McCann joked that Sherry would be playing troubled teenagers when she was 50 years old, the latter developed the idea of Slappy's characteristics as an older person acting like a teenager. It's quite a lot of notes for Animaniacs. The humor of Animaniacs varies in type, ranging from parody to cartoon violence. The series made parodies of TV shows and films. And in an interview, Spielberg defended the irreverence of Animaniacs, saying that the Animaniacs crew has a point of view and does not sit back passively and play both sides equally. Spielberg also said that the Animaniacs' humor of social commentary and irreverence were inspired by the Marx Brothers and Looney Tunes cartoons. Animaniacs, among other Spielberg-produced shows, had a large amount of cartoon violence. Spielberg defended the violence in Animaniacs by saying that the series had a balance of both violent humor and educational segments, so the series would never become too violent or too benign. Animaniacs also made use of catchphrases and recurring jokes and segments and adult humor. Characters on Animaniacs had catchphrases, with some characters having more than one. Notable catchphrases included Yakko's Good Night, Everybody, often said following adult humor, Wacko's Fabu, and Dot's frequent assertions of her cuteness. The most prominent catchphrase that was said by all three Warners was, Hello, Ness! Tom Ruger said that the hello nurse line was intended to be a catchphrase, much like the Bugs Bunny line, what's up, Dak? And during its run, Animaniacs became the second most popular children's show among ages 2 to 11 and ages 6 to 11, behind Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And Animaniacs, along with other animated series, helped bring Fox Kids ratings 
much larger than those of the channel's competitors. And November 1993, Animaniacs and Tiny Toon Adventures almost doubled the ratings of rivals Darkwing Duck and Goof Troop, which were both very important demographics to children's networks. On Kids WB, Animaniacs gathered about 1 million children viewers every week. And while Animaniacs was popular among younger viewers, adults also responded positively to the show. And in 1995, more than one-fifth of the weekday and Saturday morning audience viewers were 25 years or older. The large adult fan base even led to one of the first internet-based fandom cultures during the show's prime. The internet news group Alt.TV Animaniacs was an active gathering for fans of the show to post reference guides, fan fiction, and fan-made artwork about Animaniacs. The outline popularity of the show did not go unnoticed by the show's producers, and 20 of the most active participants on the news group were invited to the Warner Bros. Animation Studios for a gathering in August 1995. Animaniacs' first major award came in 1993, when the series won a Peabody Award in its debuting season. In 1994, Animaniacs was nominated for two Annie Awards, one for Best Animated TV Programme and the other for Best Achievement for Voice Acting. Animaniacs also won two Daytime Emmy Awards for Outstanding Achievement in Music Direction and Composition and Outstanding Original Song for the Animaniacs main title theme. And in 1999, the Animaniacs won a Daytime Emmy Award for Outstanding Achievement in Music Direction and Composition. When Animaniacs won this award, it set a record for most Daytime Emmy Awards in the field of Outstanding Achievement in Music Direction and Composition for any individual animation studio. And in 2009, IGN named Animaniacs the 17th Best Animated Television Series. And in September 2013, Animaniacs was listed among TV Guide's 60 Greatest TV Cartoons of All Time. So characters of uh, Animaniacs, of course, you've got Yakko Warner, and he's the loquacious, wise-cracking, smart-talking oldest sibling who usually acts as the leader of the trio. Wacko Warner, who is the middle sibling and has a huge appetite and a gag bag full of tricks. He speaks with a Liverpudlian accent, and he also appears to be the least intelligent or most insane. Now, do you know Dot Warner's full name? All I know is you can't call her Dotty. That's all I know. <laughs> her full name is Princess Angelina Contessa Luisa Francesca Banana Fana Bobesca III. That is her Nicely full name. Done. Nicely done. <laughs> Thank God for my script. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, so she's the cute and sassy youngest sibling and is more easily relaxed than her brothers, but proves on numerous occasions that she can be just as zany. Dr. Dr. Otto Scratch and Sniff is a German-accented studio psychiatrist who attempts to force the Warners to be less zany. He often loses patience with the Warners and freaks out once pulling his hair out until he was bald. Hello, nurse. That's literally her name. Hello, nurse. So she's a buxom blonde studio nurse over whom Yako and Wacko fawn. Her appearance usually prompts the boys into affectionate greetings. There's Slappy Squirrel, who's a grumpy cartoon veteran who lives in a tree with nephew Skippy. 
And Skiffy is the nephew. He's got a chipper personality and he's the opposite of his aunt. The Good Feathers. So there are Italian-American trio of pigeons, Squit, Bobby and Pesto. There's Rita, who was one of my favorites. She's a funny, aloof and intelligent cat that just always sings. For no, just to start singing. And normally when it's like singing, I don't mind. Then there's Runt, who's a dim-witted dog who thinks that Rita is also a dog like himself and constantly uses the word definitely a lot. Buttons and Mindy. So Buttons is a German shepherd who watches Mindy when her parents are away. Mindy is a young girl who constantly wanders into trouble without being aware of it. Minerva Mink is an attractive young mink. And again, my favorite, Chicken Boo. So he's a six-foot-tall chicken. He wishes to live as a human, so he wears flimsy disguises, usually just a hat or a coat, which somehow fool everyone except for one person who no one believes. And unlike other animal characters, Boo cannot talk and acts almost exactly like a real chicken, making his disguise all the more absurd. And at the end of each episode, his disguise falls apart and he's exposed as a giant chicken. This causes all of his previous supporters to turn against him by saying, I told you that guy was a chicken, usually running him out of town. You wear a disguise to look like human guys, but you're not a man, you're a chicken boo. Oh, I love that. Chicken boo is the one. And of course, obviously, obviously, I haven't forgot Pinky and the Brain. But obviously, we did a whole episode on Pinky and the Brain. So I, I, I don't really have to explain uh, what's understood in, uh, in that respect. <sighs> okay, I've spoken for way longer than I needed to. So, uh... Do you know what? I never liked this as a kid. Never liked it. What, Animaniacs? I, Animaniacs, yeah. I found it a bit weird. And it was one of those shows I never really, never really got into. However, watching it as an adult, I have no idea why I didn't like it. I thought it was brilliant this time round. The theme tune was banging. That um, and I hope you're going to do it. That uh, country song thing was amazing. All the little quips, all the little, um, all the little, um, the, the 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 crazy things they do, like um, how everything they that they're talking about, they turn out, they kind of turn around into something like zany, as they would say. Um, I think like. It seems like they got heavily influenced by the Beatles, like um, with um, is it Yako, like kind of a bit like Ringo-y starry. Yeah, he's and, very Ringo Starr-esque. Yeah, yeah, and there's like a lot of um, there's a couple of episodes I noticed with very like there's big Beatles um, uh, references in them. Um, I will probably read them through my notes because I think we've spoke about it before, but I'm not a huge Beatles fan, so. Um, I mean, I, to be honest, I only knew the Ringo Starr reference because I watched the Simpsons episode where Marge Simpson um, sends her picture to Ringo Starr and he he writes back to her, so he had the voice. Uh, so it's kind of fresh in my memory. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, anyway, so Ma- Animaniacs, like, like I said, wasn't really fussed by this as a kid, but like watching it now, I remember what I did like. Um, what's the dog and the girl's name again? Oh, Buttons Mindy. and Mindy. Buttons and Mindy. I loved that as a kid. That that was like I think there's an episode where she kept saying why, like, and that's her and thing, yeah. Like, yeah, and yeah. She basically runs off, and obviously the parents are like, to the dog, your dumbass better make sure Mindy don't get in trouble. And Mindy's just basically walking on top of a ten foot tall skyscraper building, 
and she's about to fall off, and then she'd be like, "Button silly." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously, Pinky and the Brain I love as a kid. Um, uh, but I think it was the actual Animaniacs, like um, uh, Dot, Wacko, and Yakko. I I don't think it was that part of it I didn't like as a kid. I, for the life of me, I can't figure out why because it's like. It's really good. The thing is, as a cartoon, it's odd. It's it's weird because it 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 breaks a fourth wall. It does all the unexpected things. Um, like it's not. It's by absolutely no means is this a conventional cartoon. Like you look at any other thing, like in in its time or the things that we've. Even if you look at our portfolio now that we've done, nothing even comes close to this. No. I think I know why you might not have liked it. And I think it stems from the whole adult audience. Like, as kids, like, even as a kid, like, I loved Animaniacs. I used to watch this every Saturday morning when it used to come on on, on, on um, the syndicated programming on ITV. I used to always watch it. And for the most part, I would watch it, enjoy it, laugh at the jokes. But there'll be a lot of references that they'll make that, can go over our, us kids heads and it's not even just with animaniacs it's like the simpsons there's lots of stuff now when i watch old episodes of the simpsons that i never picked up on as a kid and it is hilarious but as a kid it just went and i think with a lot of animaniacs a lot of the references can go over your head easily can and I, I watch it as an adult. I think, yeah, I enjoyed it as a kid, but I enjoyed it infinitely more as an adult. Like, this was just st- stupidly funny to me. I'm watching it, and even, like, one of the other ones that I was watching where Wacko was, like, belching some classical music song. And obviously, as a kid, I watched that, and I'll be, like, laughing my head off because it's funny. I'm Even now, as an adult, I'm watching it thinking, yeah, I can't believe I'm laughing at this, but this is still so ridiculously and so hilarious. And it's one of those where I I love this cartoon so much as, as, as a kid. And it's one of those where I enjoyed it even more, even more as an adult. One thing I've actually really enjoyed learning about today is the fact, and I, I did notice it on Animaniacs, but I didn't notice it on um, Tiny Toons, was Steven Spielberg's involvement. Um, like, he's my all-time favorite director um, for, um, what was, you know, Hollywood director. So I, I think that that's, um, to, to know that he was involved in, like, some like genius work like this, I was like, oh, that's incredible. That's like just as it's added another cherry on the pie. And I, think- I think what you said as well was really good about how it's not the conventional cartoon. This is not by any means. This is like they're not even thinking outside of the box. The box is nowhere to be seen. That's how wacky and out there Animaniacs is. And I think Steven Spielberg was like, I'm just going to put this out there. It's going to have all these references. It's going to have all of this pop culture stuff. It's going to have senseless violence, but we're just going to do it. And what? And for the most part, like, if you look at numbers, if you look at awards, like, he was vindicated in, in breaking all those rules. Yeah, I, I think one thing um, I really liked is that 
the Warner Brothers studio was able to laugh at themselves and able to laugh at the entire like kind of industry as a whole because obviously sometimes you get people that get very like all touchy about things like that you know don't show this don't show that or make make it look good make you know put people in a good light but they were taking the mick out of the warner brothers like bosses the warner brothers writers you know even the security guards that can't even catch the warner brothers warner brothers and sister too you know um it's, it's things like that it's like i really enjoyed about it i and i think that if you can do that sort of thing and and, and make it work like these guys honestly i think these guys are like proper genius like to 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 make to 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 make this kind of show and think about this kind of this kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely, and it's one of those where I talk about this podcast are not enough where we have to give these programs their flowers, and I want to give Animaniacs and Tiny Toon Adventures and and Tasmania all of the all of the flowers in the world, and I and I want to really appreciate it and for 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 people listening to really understand like you go out of your way to watch this and we'll talk about the newer animaniacs later but like when it comes out again like go out of your way to to watch this cartoon like it's not conventional it's not it's different it's it's totally different to what you see and what we even talk about i I think that you haven't I certainly haven't seen anything like it since Animaniacs, like you know, from first time round, and then since now with the like coming uh, upcoming uh, release. In fact, it probably is going to be released by the time this goes out, right? But um, you know, from then until now, there hasn't been anything quite like it. You know, I think maybe there's probably been some some shows that break the fourth wall, sure, um, but nothing like this again it's like kind of its own thing like i think do you know like everything tastes like chicken you know you always you always compare stuff to chicken and i I think it's like you can't really compare anything else with this is its own thing everything gets compared against it absolutely right so shall we try and break down and and talk about episodes that we watched yeah so this is where I was talking about before, where it's really hard to do an episode rundown. I think it's almost unfair to do an episode rundown on this particular show because how I'm going to say it isn't going to be how it happened necessarily. And it's not going to do it justice. So I kind of feel a little bit bad about it, but I'll give it a go anyway. So um, so starts off and Dr. Scratch and Sniff, he's in a chair being spoken to. I kind of knew where this was going like straight away, but um he's like he's a psychiatrist who's in the the like the the, the client's chair patient's chair so anyway he's like telling the story about where it all began and he was a psych to the star like a psych, uh, say psychic he was a, uh, a shrink to the stars and he, like, he was he was kind of like he was the guy like everyone was coming to him for his problems you know all the biggest stars of hollywood and stuff and then the, the warner brothers escaped uh, and he gets pulled in for why because he, he, he even says like why me he gets pulled into a meeting with the chairman of the board and he isn't he isn't happy and he wants him under control and he's like why me i'm i'm just a, like thing he's like because you're the best damn uh, psychiatrist i think or he says something like that um so anyway so he pulls the warner brothers in for a session and and i can't even say the things i was saying because i didn't write too much of it down but everything he would say 
they would just do a wacky turn turn to it like um and basically they were winding winding him right on right sorry right up so they go to he just decides i'll try one on one um he brings dot dot in and he's like um what does this look like he's like an ink blot that is like if that's you you can't draw he's like that's not me oh well they can't draw then um what does it look like does it look like anything to you no it doesn't look like anything and he's kind of like winding him up again and he kind of this is where he starts like pulling his hair out because in the beginning he's bald and he's like pulling his hair out now <laughs> and then so Yako's doing the word association thing and he's like um okay um he starts copying him he goes but you haven't begun yet and he goes start and then he's <laughs> I like, love this. stop and he goes cease and it, and he kind of like goes on and on and on um uh, and then I've written there was a monkey song oh no so there was um wacko they're like oh what's on your mind hair what are you feeling oh my shirt is that what do you mean yeah so I think like oh yeah and it turns out obviously like they're driving in crazy and then it turns out that obviously the animaniacs are so the Warner Brothers and I mean it's a, the Warner Brothers Warner siblings are um asking him how he feels kind of thing they're the ones that are doing the psych evaluation on him um then i've written pigeons and then fighting dr scratch and sniff sing song don't know what oh um so i don't know what to say the monkeys won't do i don't know what to say the monkeys won't do i don't know what to say the monkey i love this so much i was like i wish can this just go on for like the whole 20 minutes yeah, I mean, you've messaged me that that don't want to say the monkeys can't do, and I was like, I don't really know what that is, and I didn't reply. And then maybe like a couple of hours later, I watched the episode, and I was like, ah. Oh, it's okay. meant to be um, a, a parody of the song "Monkey" by Harry Belafonte from the album "Jump Up Callisto." I didn't know that. So I think I that's that. um, yeah, the, the 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 parody. But it was just such a fun little song, and just you know, like how this show is a musical. And you yeah. know, like how with with shows, you just see like a random song, and you're like, "What the hell?" Like, stop singing. We get it. You want to go outside? Go outside and shut up. But like with um, Animaniacs, I did not mind the musical interludes one bit. No, I have to say, I I really hate musicals. Like apart from like one, like basically apart from The Lion King, and um, yeah, this didn't wind me up at all. One really funny thing I really liked was the pigeons were called the Good Feathers. Like, I really, really like that. Um, um, I went on to episode two next. Um, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, go actually, you've got, you've got to do the beginning bit of this. You have to do the beginning bit. Uh, this, this was the Nations of the World song. Was it Nations of the and World? I'm not sure if that was the name of it, but that's what happened. It was Nations of the World. Um uh, then it was like cookies for Einstein or something, <laughs> um, and I, th- that bit may cracked me up. This whole thing. So the, the nations of the world song. Are you gonna? Are you, at least you're gonna put it out on the internet, right? You got to... Uh okay. United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama, Haiti, Jamaica, Peru, Republic Republic Dominican, Cuba, Caribbean, Greenland, Salvador, too, Puerto Rico, Colombia, Venezuela, Honduras, Guyana, and still Guatemala, Bolivia, then Argentina, and Ecuador, Chile, Brazil, Costa Rica, Belize, Nicaragua, Bermuda, Bahamas, Tobago, San Juan, Paraguay, Uruguay, Suriname, and French Guiana, Barbados, and Guam. Norway and Sweden, and Iceland, and Finland, and Germany, now in one piece. 
Switzerland, Austria, Czechoslovakia, Italy, Turkey, and Greece. There's Poland, Romania, Scotland, Albania, Ireland, Russia, Oman, Bulgaria, Saudi Arabia, Hungary, Cyprus, Iraq, and Iran. There's Syria, Lebanon, Israel, Jordan, both Yemen, Kuwait, and Bahrain. The Netherlands, Luxembourg, Belgium, and Portugal, France, England, Denmark, and Spain. India, Pakistan, Burma, Afghanistan, Thailand, Nepal, and Bhutan, Cambodia, Malaysia, then Bangladesh, Asia, China, Korea, Japan, Mongolia, Laos, Tibet, Indonesia, Philippines, Islands, Taiwan, Sri Lanka, New Guinea, Sumatra, New Zealand, and Borneo and Vietnam, Tunisia, Morocco, Uganda, Angola, Zimbabwe, Djibouti, Botswana, Mozambique, Zambia, Swaziland, Gambia, Guinea, Algeria, Ghana, Burundi, Lesotho, Malawi, and Togo, the Spanish Sahara is gone. Niger, Nigeria, Chad, Liberia, Egypt, Benin, Gabon, Tanzania, Somalia, Kenya, Mali, Sierra Leone, Niger, Dahomey, Namibia, Senegal, Libya, Cameroon, Congo, Zaire, Ethiopia, Guinea, Bissau, Madagascar, Rwanda, Maui, Cayman, and Hong Kong, Hong Kong, Abu Dhabi, Qatar, Yugoslavia, Crete and Mauritania, then Transylvania, Monaco, Liechtenstein, Malta, and Palestine, Fiji, Australia, Sudan. Yes, this was so good. Like I'm watching this, and I was like, oh my god. I don't know how the um, voice guy did that. You've got to um, cut that out and put that like just that clip on the internet. I might, um, I might, uh, I might try and put a better version of what I just did, but um, I don't, I'm not really sure how he did that. Shout out to them recognizing Palestine, though. Yeah. Shout out for them for saying Palestine. That was incredible that they did that. And um, the one uncomfortable thing about Animaniacs when I was watching it was the "Hello Nurse." There's a whole song and everything. It's not just them going, hello, nurse. It's literally, they did a whole musical interlude about it. And yeah, I mean, I'm watching it now and I'm like, uh... yeah, I think things have kind of moved on since, since then. Um, yeah. I think Look, I mean, as a kid, I thought that... it was hilarious. Hello, nurse. But then I think what they, the, they, they kind of thing was, this is a joke kind of thing that we're doing it. We're not just saying it because a pretty girl is walking by. If something outrageous happening, you're going to go, hello, nurse. What the hell is going on here? So I think in that respect, maybe they'll, uh, maybe they get a pass on this. But like some of the stuff with the hello, nurse, I'm like, okay, whoa, 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 what? What what do we got going over here? I think for episodes, it's all you because my my next episode was episode thirty one. Okay, cool. So this episode I really like. So this was called Cookies for Einstein, based in Switzerland, and they had a yodeling song at the beginning. I've just written it was cool um, because again I can't do this justice, so I'm not even going to try and explain it. But anyway, so the 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 Warner Brothers and sister two are in the scouts and they're selling cookies they, and they sold all the cookies apart from one box and they need to sell it to the last house in this town and it's albert einstein's house and he's in there and he's trying to solve the theory of relativity and they, he goes uh, this so this this cracked me up i wasn't expecting it. he goes if the sun is equal to p and the gravity is equal to h it makes <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was gone. I was like, <laughs> and so anyway, so they knock on the door and he doesn't want it. So they decided they don't get a merit badge. Um, and they so they write in Acme on the board, and um, and then basically like they're, they're like, oh look, you can even write it backwards. And then when you write it backwards, it spells E equals M C squared. So so sorry E. 
MC squared, but the A is like a, it looks like a two, not a um, thing. And then Einstein has his thing. And I noticed they mentioned later, it's not the theory of relativity. It's something like the relative mass equation or something like that. Um, I'm no physicist. I have no idea. Um, uh, then anyway, so they, 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 they didn't sell the, the cookies, but they do win a credit in the Nobel Peace, not Nobel Peace Prize, the Nobel Prize for Physics. Then it goes um, to Pinky in the Brain, which I was like completely happy to see. And then, uh, so Pinky's watching TV and um, he's watching, do you know the, um, I can't remember what it is, um, uh, what the show is called, but it's, do you know the whole um, bang whiz, something, writing a kisser or something like that? I've written it down somewhere, but I can't find it right now. Um, oh yeah, a bang zoom right in the kisser. Um, that was um, the quote that he was. He was watching some show. I think it's like, is it the moon? The moon, moon something. Where I was. I don't know. Um, uh, anyway, so the, he's got this plan for a superconductive magnetic fendibulator. Fed, fed, or something like that. Um, anyway, what it does is depletes hydrogen in the atmosphere. Then it increases magnetic fields, which means everyone with loose change in their pockets will get stuck to the floor. And then, and then Pinky says, what happens if they just take their trousers off? And he says, well, we have to take over the world quickly then. Um, and it's, it just so happens that they have like, they need 99,000 pounds to build this or dollars to build this. And there's a game show that has 99, that has a prize money of $99,000. So uh, Pinky goes into the onto the show. And he gets, sorry, not Pinky, Brain goes onto the show. He gets all the questions right, apart from this one. He goes, what was this quote from? Who says the quote, uh, zoom, bang, right in the kisser? And then he loses it. Uh, then Brian goes back to the cage. And then it had like this kind of wheel of morality thing. Moral number two, if at first you don't succeed, blame blame it on your parents. Oh, yeah, that's the end of the episode. Um, but yeah, I like that. And the good idea, bad idea kind of thing going on. Um, so that was episode two, right? I just did. So episode, where was a good idea, bad idea for that one? I remember there being one. The first one I watched was Osili Mio. So it basically starts with someone called Madame Brundwind, who is getting ready for her big opera show. And so she's like practicing. She's like breaking glasses. She's breaking windows. And so the Warners are putting up this brand new fancy glass window. And they're like, oh, it looks really nice, really amazing. And so it breaks. And then they're basically going, can you please keep the singing down? Because you're like breaking our windows. And then the opera singer was like, get out of here, you rats or whatever. And so they put the window up again and she breaks it. And so they're like, you know what this means? You know, in the famous Bugs Bunny, you know what this means? It means war. And so I think Wacko was, Yakko was like, oh, so you know what this means? It means war, nah. And so they basically start to annoy her while in true Animaniac style, they annoy the hell out of her. Now, like normally with Animaniacs, when you're watching it, you're thinking, oh my God, they're so annoying. Why you just, you know, don't behave yourself. This time they were in the right. They were absolutely spot on. They had their windows smashed. So they basically got their retribution by basically ruining her big show that she puts on and so basically yeah there's she gets put inside a drum and wacko is like beating her with the drum and then he knocks it out of the park and they draw like a, a baseball pitch and they're like oh doctor he's got a home run and they're just doing their whole gimmick it's so 
much fun to watch. And Yako is basically singing. And so he basically holds her and he's like something about, oh, I'm singing with you. You're singing with me. I'm going to drop you because you're too heavy to hold. And so he's basically singing it in that style. He just drops her on the floor. And they throw flowers. So And they, and then, then the performers, they're all throwing flowers. And so Wacko decides to throw an entire tree. So they throw the flowers and he's just like, Ugh. just throws the flower, just a tree and just knocks her completely out. So that was a, a brilliant way to end. Then the next one I watched was a Rita and Runt skit. So this was putting on the Blitz. So this is set in 1939 Poland. It starts with Rita singing again for no reason, just for the hell of it. And she's singing this really lovely song. And so we see a girl and dad who are running away and hiding in an alley. And the little girl spots Rita and Runt. And so they're basically the, the, the Nazi soldiers are looking for this dad. They ba he, they, he basically has like this uh, machine or whatever that they want or the codes or whatever. And so the dad goes to the little girl for some stupid reason. Look, you stay here. I'm going to run away because they're after me. And here's a ticket to the train station. Meet me there. What the hell are you doing leaving your daughter? Are you crazy? And so she's this little, this little girl, like scared witless, hiding inside a little alleyway. And so she runs into Rita and Runt. And so the, the one of the Nazi, Nazi dogs sniffs, basically hears some commotion. So he basically takes him to it. And so Rita's like, you know what? Fine, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it away. I'm gonna what do you call it? Um, try and um get this dog away and so Rita fights the dog and so they have to go to the train station and so Rita sings another song for whatever reason and so they're all like yeah can you hurry up we need to get to the train station kind of thing and so yeah so they're at the train station they're looking for the dad and she's like papa papa where are you and so the dad's already on the train fool's already boarded the train so he's going to her come on quickly quickly get on get on get on and she's basically going we're going to start a new life together to rita and run are we going to live in this nice fancy house and so rita basically helps the girl get on the train and they're all on the train but run he gets stuck with the dog and he has to fight the other dog off and rita's like thinking shall i start a new life with these guys or shall I go after my dog pal um, Runt or whatever? And so she decides, what the hell? We're gonna, um, I'm gonna, what do you call it? Stay with uh, the 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 dog. And also the song that they sang in the first episode, Nighty Night Tune. So it was a parody of the children's book Good Night Moon. And each of the Animaniacs characters is wished a good night sleep. And it's uh, narrated by Jim Cummins in a style similar to that of Winnie the Pooh. Although that was another really nice uh, musical skit. And uh, the musical thing was Wacko belching Dance of the Hours. So he's like, do, 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 do. You might think it's disgusting or you might think it's absolutely hilarious. It's one of those 50-50 things. And um, yeah, that was that. So... Uh, any other episodes you watched or yeah so i watched episode 73 um 
So yeah, so this is when I was writing. It was really difficult to actually get this bloody episode working. Um, so um, so they're talking. Yeah, they're doing like a hard. It's called Hard Days Warners again. A beat. This is the Beatles. This is heavily Beatles referenced one. Um, then there's black and white song. Something about that. And they're all running from fans. It's like a running from fans song thing going. And I th- I'm sure it's another homage to the Beatles. Um, and everyone got fan mail except for Yako, and he says. And they said it's because you wear a hat and no one trusts you. And it turns out he's got Elvis under his hat. And he's like, I told you not to tell anyone. Um, then Dr. Scratch and Sniff brings um, in Big Sack of Mail for Yakko. Um, and they're at a cartoon convention. There's loads of fans, you know, trying to break into the dressing room and stuff like that. And they eventually do go into the thing. And they run through the hall and they see there's a stand in the in the in the cartoons convention and the tiny tunes are in or have their own little stand and they kind of reference it a bit and it's i thought that was quite quite fun uh then they go and see the masks and they put the masks on and they do this kind of they have this kind of like bit with you know the with uh you know the film from jim carrey and they do the masking and they and they and then they say we did all this without computers like as a like you know kind of like a we did kind of did this by hand thing i'm guessing um then they go to the press briefing and they're given really wacky answers um, again. And, and, and I said, for some reason, this weight keeps landing on this rep- this one reporter's head. Every time we say something, bing, you get like an anvil come on his head. Um, and uh, then they, they the uh, fans come, they have to run away. They go climb up the water, Warner Brothers Tower. They throw a, um, a paper airplane and it lands in Pinky in the Brain's lab and it says, You've been invited to a an uh, uh, an audience with the Pope. That's that's what they've been invited to. And 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 Brain is like, um, oh, brilliant! And he's like, about time kind of thing. And it turns out that you know, that all it was was to to, to they wanted the Pinky and the Brain to come so they could say, look, forget about us. It's actually about Pinky and the Brain down there. And all the fans go and chase them. Um, so that's the end of that bit. And then they said, good idea, bad idea, good idea. Buying shoes on sale. Bad idea. Buying parachute on sale. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love the good idea. But I'm I'm glad I missed. I didn't watch any of the good idea, bad ideas. So I forgot all about this until I actually saw it again. Um, Then so the next bit was a cranky squirrel slappy and skippy bit. So slappy, all she wants to do is rest. And it turns out they're actually shooting the latest Hollywood movie next door. And but it's like you know, like a Bruce Willis Die Hard movie, and it's explosions and stuff like that. And she's getting annoyed, and every time she gets away, she ends up being in the movie. So the first time like Bruce Willis lands on her when he flies out the building, then she ends up talking to Forrest Gump on the bench, and then Forrest Gump blows up, and then she gets on the bus that Forrest Gump's waiting for the whole film, and then that turns out to be the speed bus that can't go below eighty miles an hour or whatever it is. Um, then that blows up. Then she gets on an aeroplane, which turns out to be a jet and Arnold Schwarzenegger's flying it, but he can't fly because he's only an actor and that blows up. Um, then what else does she get on? Um, oh, and then she gets, yeah, she gets the plane. There's like a William Shatner type person on there um, uh, who's doing a kind of like, I can't mimic the way he talks, but everyone mimics the way he talks in uh, Star Trek. So he's, <laughs> he kind of, he's kind of doing that. You know, do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know what you of, mean. Like, I'm just here doing this thing. <laughs> um, um, and um, yeah, it's, and then she gets on a ship and it's a Bond movie and the ship blows up. And then that's kind of the end of that. Um, 
And then it was like, good idea, bad idea, good idea, climb mountain, bad idea, climb, climb mountain lion. <laughs> <laughs> the one I remember as a kid was a good idea, bad idea. So good idea, taking a deep breath and jumping into the water. Bad idea, taking a deep breath after you've jumped into the water. <laughs> I remember that one as a kid. The the next bit was uh like this bit was a bit weird um but it was kind of like how um it was like a geek was like talking do you know like the people that uh, talk about the stats and like um it you know it was it was brought out in 1993 but it had a 65 so it had like a 35-year anniversary after so many things whatever it was anyway so and how the stats are wrong and they pick up on it and they kind of go to town and then um I can't remember who it was. I think it was Yaku says, if you're obsessed with stats or in, uh, if you're obsessed with stats on inconsequential cartoons, get a life foundation. And it's like a pitch for this, like, um, like rehabilitation center for geeks. And every time they start mentioning things, they get a whack on the head, um, like a big mallet or something like that. Um, yeah. And anyway, that was the end of that episode. Thoroughly enjoyed this one to be fair. Okay. So season four, episode two. So the first one was cutie and the beast. So you can only imagine the parody of uh, what they were trying to parody in. And uh, so it's basically snails on your lawn, songs that go on and on, cutie and the beast. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, they're basically filming cutie and the beast. It starts with um, Dot trying to say her full name, but she keeps messing up the cut. And basically, Yako and Wako are laughing at her. And she just keeps messing it up, keep messing it up, keep messing it up. And I love how she's like to him, oh, well, you know, we all can't be like you, Mr. United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama. And you can hear the little song in the background playing. <laughs> and it's like, okay, fine, I'm going to do the cut. And then she, she, she gets it wrong again. And they're like, but you could call her Dot just so that they can move on. And so they're basically um, arguing about uh, messing up takes. And then basically, it's just generally like just taking the mick of how Disney movies are made. And then they have to do a scene where they're lost in the woods. And so the role of the beast is played by Tasmania. And Dot likes him. And yeah, they're basically singing a song about how they're pests. And Dot, and basically, you know, in Beauty and the Beast, it starts with, um, isn't it like basically about the little flower that's in the, the jar kind of thing? And yeah, I think yeah, that once it kind of goes out or grows, it means that he has to fall in love. Otherwise, yeah, he so stays a beast forever. Yeah, once it, well, if, the, if the rose loses all its petals, yeah. Um, the, yeah, then he has to stay. The curse is like, won't be lifted. Yeah, and so Dot's basically going up to that rose going, he loves me, he loves me. Not. And he's like, <laughs> stop it, you idiot. You're going to ruin he's like trying to like get out of it you idiot and then she's all like oh i really and then yeah warner brothers are basically like oh look it's tasmania can you do your thing do your do your little gimmick and he's like no and he goes no come on please 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 do your little thing and yeah taz gives in doc kisses him and the beast turns into a prince and everybody's basically going, oh, look, the prince, he's so handsome, he's so handsome. And then Dot's like, uh, I don't really want anyone going near him. So she kisses him again, he turns into a beast. <laughs> oh. 
And then, yeah, it just basically ends with the snails on your lawn. Songs that go on and on. Cutie and the beast. <laughs> oh, and then Chicken Boo. I'm so glad I came across this. So this is basically Boo Happens. So he's basically reenacting Forrest Gump. And so he's got like the haircut of Forrest Gump. He's a chicken. He's wearing a suit and he's got the haircut. And it basically starts with like the little feather. Like and he's like, life is like a box of bird seeds. Sometimes you get stuck on your crawl. And so he's basically reliving the whole life of uh, Forrest Gump. And he goes, oh, I played football. I met the president. And then he's meeting Kennedy and he goes, I would like to uh, give you the uh, Medal of Honor for your incredible uh, bravery. And then uh, Kennedy's assistant's going, he's a chicken. And he's like, absolutely not. Of course, he's not a chicken. He's a true American hero. And then he's like, then I met, then I went to Vietnam. And then I played some ping pong. And then I met the president. And he's meeting President Johnson. And then Johnson's assistant's going, he's a chicken. And he's like, <laughs> he's not a chicken. He's a real American hero. Here you go, Forrest. And so um, he's like, again, I'm, I'm meeting outside and talking to all these different people. And then I met the president again. And so he's meeting President Nixon. And then Henry Kissinger's going, oh, I think he's a, a chicken, yeah? And then Nixon's like, absolutely not. He is not a clock. And he's like, he is a true American hero. Oh. And, you know, the famous I am not a crook line. He is not a clock. Very, very sharp references that they always do. And then, you know, there's, you know, the bit in Forrest Gump where he's talking to all those war protesters and he's basically going to tell them what it's like fighting in the war. And so basically, yeah, he's out there and he's about to talk. No, no, no. And what happens was he, when he, got, when, when President Kennedy goes to him, oh, so uh, how, how, how do you feel on meeting the president? And then he's like, muck, 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 ah! and then, President Kennedy goes, you hear that, gentlemen? Buck, buck, buck out. Those are the words of the uh, true American hero. And so he's about to do his speech. And he's like going, buck, 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 buck. And, then, and then someone in the crowd's going, he's a chicken. And then his hat blows off. His suit blows off. And he's just standing there in the hole as a chicken. And everyone's like, He's a chicken! Get him! And he's just basically running away, running away, and then, yeah. And then... You wear a disguise, you look like human guys, but you're not a man, you're a chicken, boo. And then... The last bit of that was, the yeah, the Noel song. So, yeah, because I think, yeah, it starts with Wacko. He wants to write a letter to Santa, but there's Noel in Santa. Noel, Noel... No L in Santa. And then they're going to the hill and they go, there's no well on the hill. No well on the hill. There's no well in the sea. No well in the sea. It's a song you know well. Oh well. Oh well. The song is now ruined. Oh. And then the finale of this truly outstanding cartoon. So, yeah, it basically starts with the good feathers on top of some... Where are they? They're basically on top of somewhere. 
and they're trying to talk about where the breeze is coming from. And someone's going, well, the breeze will come from the sea. No, the breeze will come from the sun. So they end up fighting. And then the episode, which was basically the main episode, is called The Scoring Session. So this is involving all of the characters. And so they're basically in a, in a musical ensemble or a scoring session. And basically the uh, instructor who is called... I wrote his name down. Nivel Nosenest or Nivel Nosenest. And so he's basically the conductor and he's like, I don't want people coming late. So Dot is late. And she's like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. What did I miss? She's basically coming in late or whatever. I don't want interruptions. And Yako interrupts going, I've got a question. And then Wacko turns up without the sheet music. He's like, oh, I don't want people who are unorganized and lazy. So Wacko's like, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot me uh, music sheet at home. I uh, forgot it. And in, in that Scouse accent of his. And yeah, so they basically have to play kind of music from Animaniacs. So whether it's like the chase music, and so and then basically, yeah, the the Warner Brothers and sister are causing a, a madness with it. And then Wacko's got his drums and he's playing with drumsticks, so like chicken drumsticks. So he just basically go boom, 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 and then yeah, they're all um, complaining because he's talking in like posh language. Of like how the musical hymn sheet. So you have to play this and this. And then everyone's like, huh? And then Yakko's like translating for everyone. And he goes, oh, so basically you have to play this bit really, really loud. Oh, okay, okay. And then, yeah, so... And then it's basically musical notes that are flying everywhere. And so they're going, oh, don't worry. We'll stop these musical notes. And then they're like just basically chasing after musical notes. And they're playing like their own sort of music. Basically doing a madness. And then everybody thinks, and then obviously, yeah, they finish and they have to go on a break because it's like an Acme regulated break or whatever. And Nosedive is like, oh my God, this has been the worst thing ever. And then everyone at the top's going, hey guys, you did a really, really great job. And when we come back from the break, we're going to record it. And he's like, you mean to tell me you didn't record anything now? And so he's just basically like, ah, get me out of here. And literally the last segment was yeah it was just a clip show segment of like what they called the first 99 episodes so it's just basically all of the stuff that the animaniacs and all the characters did and everything that happened so it was just literally that finally yeah i think we kind of touched upon it at the beginning so there's a revival of the series with at least two seasons to be produced in conjunction with amblin entertainment and warner brothers and Steven Spielberg and songwriter Randy Rogel, many of the voice actors returning, and it will premiere in November 2020. So I think what they were saying was, I was reading about all the characters. I don't think the characters are coming back, which is such a shame. Like, I would have loved Rita and Runt to be on there, just for Rita. Chicken Boo, I don't think is coming back. I think only Pinky in the Brain is coming back. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised Pinky in the Brain because obviously that got its own yeah, show anyway. Yeah, didn't yeah, yeah. Um, well, maybe more will come. But I think know? they'd said that um, eight of the characters would not be returning. Like, they've kind of categorically said they're not returning. And a lot of them aren't returning. And, I mean, I can live without 
Dr. Scratch and Sniff. Actually, Dr. Scratch and Sniff, I, I would like to see him back. Hello, Nurse, I can live without her. Slappy and Squirrel, I can live without. The Good Feathers, I can live without. I want Rita on there. Buttons and Mindy, I can live without them. Chicken Boo, I mean, come on. How do you not bring Chicken Boo back? It's the funniest thing ever. Yeah, I mean, just whilst you were talking, I just quickly watched that um, the Forrest Gump intro bit. And uh, <laughs> like, uh, you know, even just the first bit when he's like, life is like a box of birdseed. Like, yeah. You know, great. I was howling with laughter before even the haircut. I was I was gone by the haircut. Never mind the dialogue. <laughs> the haircut got me. That finished me the haircut. But um, I guess we have to rank these shows now, don't we? Yeah, I'm pretty sure we're divided on this one. Obviously, I don't think it's divided well, for the top. Well, spot. let's uh, do like... it from three down to one. Okay, so three for me is Tiny Toons Adventures. <sighs> Was that your number three? Well, my number three was um, Tasmania. Only because if I have to say if a show didn't age well and whatnot, then um, yeah, that, that that's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I loved Tiny Toon Adventures this time around. I thought it was really good. But I think just from nostalgia point of view, and that was the only thing that separated it from, from the rest was uh, nostalgia. So... Yeah, and for 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 me, that's in the the third spot, and obviously that puts Taz in second. Um, I think it's no secret today. Um, uh, Taz is just fun to watch. It was fun when I was a kid. It's fun now. Um, and I think that the nostalgia value uh, gave it an extra point for me. Yeah, I mean, I put Tiny Toon Adventures at number two simply because it was so much better than I'd realized it was as a kid. I mean, as a kid, I enjoyed it. I watched it. It was fun. I would always tune in for the next episode. But like even now when you're watching it as an adult, you can appreciate the subtleties, you can appreciate the the jokes and the and the dialogue and, and, and everything that kind of that kind of goes with it. So yeah, that's why I thought, yeah, this had to this had to be number two for me. Yeah, and then obviously, um I think it's no secret. Uh I think it's a cut above the rest. Uh and Animaniacs is definitely definitely number one um surprised how, how much i enjoyed it this time around considering what i thought of it as a kid like i knew it was funny like i did know it was a funny show and a good show but i just didn't it was, i just didn't click with it when i was a kid but this time around yeah 100 percent brilliant yeah same i mean animaniacs deserves all of the roses that it could possibly get i'm so happy it's back i would love the trailer and uh, Maney, totally insaney, never mansplainy. I can just imagine them being really on point when it comes to the cultural references. God only knows there's so much they could cover within the span of, what, 20 years that it's been away. There's so much that they could do. They could easily do a, another run for another few years. So much to talk about, so much to mention. And yeah, it's just a truly wonderful cartoon that I'm so glad that we can talk about finally. Yeah, completely agreed. Absolutely stellar lineup. It really, really was. And uh, yeah, on that on that note, got to bring it to an end. This was a really fun episode, and I definitely suggest you go out of your way to watch all three of these shows. So um, yeah, listen to yesterday's capers, man. We're we're out here. We're giving flowers to all of your favorite shows 
before you even know people are giving it flowers. We were talking about Moesha long before they put it on Netflix. We were talking about Half and Half and Girlfriends long before they put it on Netflix. We were talking about Sister Sister long before they put it on Netflix. So uh, wherever we set the trends, people tend to follow. And uh, I think it's more a thing than I might even realize. So uh, yeah, listen to Yesterday's Capers. And who knows, that show might end up being on a streaming site platform near you in the not too distant future and uh we're available wherever you get your podcast from so uh search look for it and uh you will find our podcast youtube as well you can look for it on there if they're not bugging out depending on how they feel about whatever kind of music i use but um yeah also you can find us on the socials at instagram it's instagram yesterday's capers one we're on facebook at facebook.com forward slash yesterday's capers we are on Twitter at Yesterday Capers. You can follow me on Instagram at Abdullah underscore Molim. You can follow me on Twitter at Abdullah Molim, all one word. Give me a holler, give me a shout. And uh, yeah, join us next week for another episode of Yesterday's Capers. Well, me patience ran out and I'm telling you sure. Tomorrow I show those monkeys the door. And if they don't leave, I'm inviting you to my house for dumplings and monkey stew. I don't know what to say the monkeys won't do. Don't know what to say, the monkeys won't do. Now I mean just to. Oh, poo. Don't know what to say, the monkeys won't do. Watch out for monkeys, I'm telling you. Don't know what to say, the monkeys won't do. We're not monkeys, we're just cuckoo. Don't know what to say, the warmers won't do.